Welcome to an early edition of the Drunk Tank episode 3. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Um, for those of you that don't know what's going on or why we're going live on a Sunday night as opposed to our normal Monday is because I had some uh, work commitments come up that kind of made it difficult for me to commit to the usual Monday schedule. So we made some uh, changes to do it early on Sunday. And then uh, my partner in crime, Chris, had a personal matter come up, which had him kind of dip out. So in a few minutes, we'll be joined by our super mod and good friend, uh, Strange Tim. But until Tim gets here, we're going to do a little bit of a, a little how you doing session. So <laughs> if you're new to the Drunk Tank, the Drunk Tank is a two to two and a half hour podcast between me and my friend, Chris. Uh, Chris is a Scotsman, and I believe I hear a Tim. Or at least I hear the rumblings of a Tim. Chris is a Scotsman over in Glasgow. He usually joins me, but this was his brainchild. Um, we kind of came up with it, and uh, the last couple episodes have done really well. So when Chris called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm not, I got an issue. I'm not doing the greatest. I was like, okay, do you want to, like, go solo, or do you want to, like, hold off? He's like, I don't want to miss a, a podcast upload, so if you could handle it and get a co-host, that's great. Otherwise, solo mode works. And I was able to round up a uh, a co-host of some description. Let me get him on screen real ah. quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me make that. Oh wait, why is that not the? Why is it not capturing your face? Because it doesn't want to. I don't blame it. Honestly, you know what? Shut up. Shut up. I just got to make a quick change to the overlay so it can capture your cam. So what's going on, Tim? Not a whole lot. Uh, I stayed up way too late last night, and I slept in until just about two hours ago. So You lucky son of a bitch, you slept in about two hours ago? Yeah. I've been up since 8 a.m., uh, you asshole. Well, I mean, on a normal work day, I get up at uh, 5.30 my time. Right. So on the weekends, I like to uh, just do whatever the hell I can. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Take so it free flow. Yeah, I, I wish I could sleep, sleep in on the weekends, but between the dog and the kids, you know. I didn't get out of bed till like 11, but I was up at like 8. You know, I was just kind of bumming. And then, uh, like I was telling everybody before before you showed up, um, we had to, we had to move the podcast around because of my stupid work, uh, not figuring out how to get its head out of its ass. And then Chris called me a couple hours ago and said, Hey, I got a personal thing I got to take care of. He's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I got it. Whatever. He's like, do you think Tim or somebody else could jump in? And I'm like, I'm sure Tim could, if he's free, otherwise I can talk long enough for me to ramble for two and a half hours <laughs> so i really appreciate you stepping in on short notice man I, you were uh, the first one i went to because you're familiar with the document you're familiar with the uh with the sort of flow of the show so i figured it would be the least amount of you know bleh, cluster fuckage if it was me and you so um you know the format opening rounds uh introduce yourself to everybody tim let them know who you are Okay. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I am Tim. I am a moderator here. 
He's super mod. And, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, super mod, don't be modest. Okay, super mod. <laughs> uh, give me a second while I'm logging in. Hey, do your thing, because man. For some reason, I got uh, I got logged out. Hey, this is this is this is the shit show. Okay, this was the quick. We got to move everything around, and then other things happen. So it's like throw it at the wall, see what sticks. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't do social things. I don't do uh, so you're streaming. I'm just. I'm the support guy behind the scenes. You're the power behind the throne, so to speak. <laughs> it's funny. I met you what six months ago. Uh, something like that. And it's it's weird how how quickly you and Chris and I and some of the other people that sort of just met have become such close friends that we can like do this shit it's weird i i thought it was really interesting because i didn't yeah I don't, I don't make friends real easy but to make friends like you and chris and and dread i knew dread a little longer but i didn't really know dread until he started hanging out but the last six months it, a lot of us have sort of kind of gelled into like one big kind of family thing and uh, um it uh it, it's actually a little funny how you and i met because um so we met through titan the future and, guest uh, titan naughty yeah yeah and uh the only reason i was on his channel is because he got raided by another streamer that i was watching <laughs> same streamer that chris chris was watching chris and i were actually in the same uh stream we raided titan and then he and I connected with you through Titan, and now we're like meshed and on the right. same wavelength on so many different things, and it's awesome. Yeah, that's why. I, that's like I said. That's why I'm glad you had, you could like rearrange your schedule and make proper sacrifices to the wife to join me tonight. Because <laughs> normally, uh, so yeah, I'm actually. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm actually. I'm actually sitting on my bed right now because uh, <laughs> her microphone is stupid sensitive it picked up the cat meowing in the hallway last night wow so there is no way that i could do this downstairs <laughs> well hey just tell the wife i said thank you you're, you're saving our butts here man i appreciate it so as we always no do we got to get the lawyer stuff out of the way if you are going to join us for a drink alcoholic or not if you choose to drink an alcoholic beverage because it is the drunk tank ironic on the name eventually you'll figure out why Please make sure you are legal drinking age in your country of origin to where you are watching this podcast. And please, by all means, do drink responsibly. Otherwise, my little octopus will go from happy to angry, and then the lawyers will beat me with shovels. I don't want to be beaten with shovels. Don't let them beat me with shovels! That being said... Uh... What? Right. Oh, and, and for those of you who are wondering... Uh, naming the octopus will, uh, actually be, um... Yes, we have a, a we're working a, a on an event for that. Yeah, we're working on an event yeah, for a good. octopus naming thing. I gotta figure out the details, but we're gonna do something dope with that. Uh, those of you that are joining us via Spotify or Apple or Google, I have a little, uh, reversible stuffed octopus plushie that my, uh, girlfriend gave me who I just, I absolutely adore this little damn thing. Like, she gave it to me and I was like, oh! Gotta have it. So, so yeah, that's right? what we're talking about. But Timmy, what are you drinking tonight? So tonight I am drinking uh, a sort of Northwest local uh, mm -hmm. called uh, Made Marion. 
Ooh, uh, nice. So I'm actually trying this because um, the, the supermarket where I used to get my other cider, which was a dry apple cider, uh, stopped carrying it. And so I went there to go pick it up, and I'm like, damn, I don't have my cider. But hey, it got me to try something new, and mm-hmm. this is um, uh, a Marionberry, which is a, t- a type of blackberry, but a Marionberry cider. Uh, and I didn't know if I would like it at first because I'm really a dry kind of guy. But this <laughs> is a little on the sweet side. Now, it's only 6% alcohol, uh, so you're not going to get drunk off of it. And I'm okay with that. Uh, but like I said, I didn't think I would like it because it's a little on the sweet side. But it's got enough of the tart there from the blackberry that it's really enjoyable. Yeah. How what mu- about you? What are you drinking? Well, how much did that run you in your local on average? Uh, a six pack of this was 12 bucks. I think that's super cheap. That's not bad for a, a cider, especially like a, like a local sort of cider from where you're at. That's, that's not bad at all. Yeah. My normal cider is, um, uh, four bucks a can, but they're the larger can, the, six, oh. the 20 ounce, I think. Yeah. The big growler can kind uh, of things. Yeah. Yeah, me, I'm actually drinking something local, too, here here in the middle of the country. I'm drinking a New Glarus uh, Brewing Company Raspberry Tart. Uh, it's a ale. I've never had it. The thing with me when, when this podcast started up, uh, Chris, who's not here tonight, was like, hey, you know, there's this thing. Maybe we can drink and bullshit about what we're drinking. And I'm like, okay. So I literally went to my supermarket and uh, or the, the local depot. They have a make your own six pack for like nine bucks. Mm-hmm. And I just grabbed six random shit because I don't like drinking or eating the same thing over and over. Because I just, I ugh, there's something about my brain where if I have the same over and over and over, I just get bored with it and I lose interest 100%. Oh, sure. So I've never had this. And I got to admit, I just took a huge swig of it. And it's very... um. The, ras- <laughs> the I know, right? The raspberry, the raspberry hits you right in the mouth. Just, just makes your mouth just dry up. And then I'm, I love those kind of things, right? And then on backside, the sweetness comes in. And then after the sweetness, because you want you go really, really dry, and then you get this sweetness to it. And then your mouth waters as the beer and the hops roll in. And then once all three flavors, as I'm like, it's really good. <laughs> that's really good um i don't normally like really dry stuff i'm not super dry like i don't like white wine really i don't like a really dry white wine and i'm not big on like super dry like tart things but wow that like the pomegranate last week had a little bit of grapefruit undertones this don't have that but it's still got that 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 dry bitterness to it sure. but i like it and new Glass- so, uh- go ahead on that note, uh, that's actually uh, the difference in taste is one of the things that makes my house work. Mm-hmm. And, and, this, and this Maid Marion is actually throwing a wrench in things because my wife likes sweet drinks. I like dry drinks. So if we get our own alcohols, we don't have to share and we don't run out unless it's our own fault. But now I got this sweet stuff and she kind of likes it. And Ooh, she dipping. So, dipping in your stash. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's it's made for some interesting conversation. Yeah, I like said, you taking my alcohol? You taking my alcohol? She was like, "Yeah, what you gonna do about it, bitch?" And you were like, "Nothing." <laughs> yeah, in my house, uh, the the like Bernadette and I don't drink a lot. Like in general, like I drink maybe a beer a week if I'm lucky. That six pack will last me six weeks because I don't I don't sure. drink a whole lot. But when she does drink, she's she likes amaretto and like you know amaretto straight or amaretto uh, over ice. And then she liked that mead she got me. But when it comes to the booze, like, we don't – our tastes are real different. She doesn't like beer. And the weird thing is I didn't like beer early on when I was younger. I couldn't drink it. It soured my stomach where I would just do shots. And when I was working as a bartender, I'd do shots and drink soda or water. And now the older I get, you know, the older I get, the, the hard stuff um, just kind of – I don't know. I can handle it. It just – it doesn't – it doesn't satisfy my palate now. Like if I get a good craft beer and I get like a steak or, you know, a burger or whatever, sure. there's a there's a satisfying component to it. And uh a six pack of the new Glarus runs about nine fifty, ten bucks, somewhere around there. So not bad either. Like it, it's definitely affordable. Yeah. And like what boggles my mind, and I'm about to throw some shade. So if you're listening or you're watching the VOD, if the shoe fits, well, why, when you have good beer or good cider, do you drink Milwaukee's Best or fucking Bud Light or White Claw or why? Why? We are on the same page here. When why I... drink piss if you have better? Oh my god, it drives me like. Is your mm, and I hate. I'm, I know I'm throwing shade. I'm being an ass, but. I understand part of it is cost and part of it is the way you grew up, but there's so much better out there. <laughs> Experience it for yep. fuck's sake. Uh, on the topic of beer, I am not really a beer person. Really? Uh, no. Uh, I, uh, when I was in the Navy, we went Thank you for your service. World. Thank you. Uh, you served as well, right? No, my family did. I couldn't serve because of my oh, heart right, condition. Of my heart condition, my hand, my deformities in my feet. So that limited me. But yeah, I, uh, I wish I could have. But when we went uh, overseas, uh, even though I didn't like beer, I stopped at local pubs in and, and bars in Greece, in Bahrain, in Dubai, uh, and then in England on our way back. Nice. Uh, and I tried the local because just because I didn't like beer in the United States doesn't mean I, I mean, maybe it was the way United States brews beer. So I gave it a try almost everywhere. Right. Um, and I mean, I still don't like beer, but I did find one that I like. Uh, it's Cronenberg, uh, which is a German beer. Yeah. I found it in a pub, but it's a German beer. And that was pretty much the only beer that I really like. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I totally get you. Try different things. Uh, just because you like one thing because you grew up with it doesn't mean there's not so much better out there. Yeah, for sure. And like, like I said, I mean, drink what you want to drink. But like, to, for me, just to stay to what you grew up with or, or, or what your dad or mom drank and not kind of branch out, in some ways it feels like you're... To me, and this is my opinion, 
Like you're just not, you're not exploring your yourself, and that's gonna tie back. We're, tonight's main topic is gonna be mental health, but that's to me in a way like if you don't, if you don't experience new things or, or you don't want to try new things, like you're kind of limiting yourself in a way. And I'm one of those people that doesn't ever want to limit myself. I always want to push the boundaries. I always want to learn something new. I always want to do something. And I know that's that's different for everybody. And I, I'm not trying to like be like, oh, you drink piss water. Well, you, some of you do. But, I mean, just try hey, and reach out. If you're on a desert island it and it comes from your body, technically, medically speaking, it's still sanitary. Yeah, there is that. There is that. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean... I think I think I like I like the format of this podcast because not only does it allow me to try like new beer, but I'm also gonna try like new ciders and maybe new craft sodas for like a non-alcoholic night because I like the option. I like the option. It gives me an excuse. It gives me an excuse to do just what I said. Get out of my comfort zone and try new shit. So I'm excited exactly. for that. So why don't we segue into tonight's meme? topic and i will do my customary we are veering into some territory that could bring up some difficult questions some difficult uh feelings thoughts and emotions so if you are having a having an issue or you're sensitive to the topic of discussion please by all means mute the tab until we're over or fast forward through the podcast until we open it up or we open up with another topic so tonight's main topic is mental health and how it affects us now this can be a touchy subject because well one i didn't get a real chance to talk to you about it when you jumped in so i assume you're okay talking about it right tim okay mental health and how it affects us is a multifaceted multi-nuanced topic so if you're watching the vod or you're in chat or you're listening to the podcast, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, especially me, uh, because I'm on Twitter. Tim isn't. You can also reach out to Chris. Give us your thoughts and feelings on mental health and uh, and the conversation if you're listening. If you are live in chat right now, please feel free to join the conversation. But with that oh. being said, oh. go ahead. Real quick here. That if someone wants to ask a question of me, yeah, feel free yeah. to go to Docs, and he'll pass it on to me. Yes, exactly. Um, that being said, we're not experts we're not experts in the field of mental health we're not we're not doctors we're not psychologists we're not psyche psychiatrists so our opinions are what they are based on our life experience and how we dealt with our personal issues so um tim you want to go first or should i uh sure uh i would like to preface what i'm going to say with a trigger warning uh on self-harm okay uh because that was me about 13 years ago uh until i got the help i needed because uh well actually uh, it's a good segue into the the drunk take because i actually don't get drunk anymore nice uh one of the problems i used to have 13 years ago was that i got drunk every single day the only the only reason I wasn't technically an alcoholic is because I didn't like wake up and start drinking, but it pretty much happened every day. Right, you were uh, three quarters and, of the way there. 
yeah, three quarters of the way there. Uh, and it runs in my family. Uh, addictive behaviors. I have to watch myself when I do things like play MMOs or uh, play poker or even buy a lottery ticket. Uh, because if I let myself, I will uh, go out of control. But that's a little off topic. Kind of on topic because addictive behaviors are very a mental problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, uh, 13 years ago, I was heavily drinking. I had just got out of divorce. And instead of reaching out to family and friends or a doctor, as I should have, I just started drinking. Yeah. And uh, I – because I wasn't getting the help I needed, I kept on spiraling down and down and down. And I eventually reached the point where I was self-harming and I was having suicidal ideations. Nice. Uh, and uh, I actually am really lucky. My current wife uh, came into my life as a friend and uh, helped get me out of a bad situation. Uh, she didn't tell me, Steve, you need to stop drinking. She said, hey, uh, we're hanging out, and I can't really hang out with you because you're too drunk. Uh, uh, do you want to – I mean, should I come back later? And it's not like she was saying, hey, there's a problem with you being drunk. She's saying, hey, I want to hang out, and uh, you being drunk is getting in the way. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't even – it wasn't sexual. It was just two friends hanging out, playing yeah. video games and whatnot. Uh, so she came into my life and she didn't tell me I was self-harming. She didn't even talk about my self-harm. She talked about my alcohol because she realized that the alcohol was sort of driving me down into that pit. Um, long story short, uh, it took about six years and about seven different doctors before I finally was on the medication that I need to be on. Uh, because my brain chemistry is all out of whack. Uh, and now it's not so out of whack. Uh, stopping the drinking all the time uh, helped also get me out of that. And I'm in a much better place now. Uh, but uh, while, while that worked for me, uh, some people don't, might not have that uh, sort of support system. In place, uh, and if you are feeling depressed all the time, or you're drinking all the time, and you don't really know why, or you don't care why, maybe it's time to reach out to a, a mental health professional and uh, uh, look into that a little more. Nice. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it interesting? The um, isn't it interesting the power of uh, somebody who gives a shit about you oh, or, or is interesting in you can hold over somebody or, or not hold over, but could do to motivate somebody. Yeah. I mean, we are social animals and if you stop being a social animal, it will affect every part of your life. Yeah. Even, 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 in, in, yeah, even I was gonna say, even introverts and antisocial people still need someone to kind of like be social with, be it just that one person or that select group. Um, I appreciate you sharing that because that that could be tough for a lot of people, and that's and that's the reason why I wanted to talk about mental health so early on in, in our podcast series is 
part of, and I'll, I'll dip into mine next, but you, you raise a, a big point is you reached out, you, you got help. You, you weren't, you, you didn't hide it or, or run from it when some, when your current wife said, Hey, I want to hang out with you, but that, you know, you're just, you're too shit faced. You got to clean your shit up. Like, and then she didn't make it a focus or anything. She didn't drone on about it. She was just there and kind of let you know. One of the big issues with mental health is the stigma behind mental health. Is the Indeed. Is the, oh, you're just sad, or oh, you're just angry, or oh, you're just an asshole, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that is... I was. I was. Well, everybody is in their own right, to some extent. Like, look at me, I'm, a, I'm the biggest asshole I know. With a heart of gold, preface, I have a heart of gold. I just keep it in a box in the closet. So you can fit two records, not just one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, sorry, no, you're good. That's why we do this because we we got that same humor. I appreciate it. That, but that the the big thing is the stigma behind mental health. There's a lot of reasons why people don't they don't share their mental health stories. They don't reach out for that help. And for me, I come from a a, a, a just a circus of mental health issues in my family from manic depression to bipolar to suicidal ideation to alcoholism to, to violent outburst you name it like it's it's you know my mom my sister you know I, like all we all have our cocktail of of mental health for me specifically i have a myriad of mental health issues um i have what they call imposter syndrome and for those of you that, that aren't familiar with imposter syndrome, it is you don't feel like you are as good as everyone tells you you are, or you're not as good looking, or you're not as talented, or or you're not a not a good guy as you think you are, or you're not you're not you're not basically you're not who they say you are into yourself. That's a big one that I struggle with. That's that's a big one I struggle with even to this day. Every time I hit the green go button on twitch i have to literally like look at myself and go just don't worry about it don't 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 get in your own head just hit the go button and just when the lights go on just be you and then i have that back and yep. forth well well then there's that there's that shadow it's like well you're not you're not worth you uh we're not you know you're not worth you you're not you're not as good as like the like chatter say you are the haters are right. You're not talented. Your voice is shit. So that's well, that was right. <laughs> Sorry, you're fine. Stop apologizing. Um, but that's a huge struggle for me. Uh, I and Zim has got some stuff in the chat. I will address that in a second. Yes. I also deal with um, I also deal with severe negative self worth, and I want to distinguish between self worth and self esteem. Self esteem. I'm the shit, baby. I'm, I'm the baddest motherfucker walking. I'm the smartest guy. I'm the funniest guy. Like, I got no problem with my self-esteem, right? What I have a problem with is my self-worth. And the difference is, is I don't feel like I should be successful. Like I deserve praise. Like I deserve to be happy. Like I deserve to, you know, not suffer through the agony and the pain. Like, that's, for me, that's the difference between self-worth and self-esteem. And that goes hand in hand with the imposter syndrome. It does. It does. And and that double whammy 
it, it it affects my life in a content creation because I I want to do more diversified content on on YouTube like reviews and do like uh voiceover to voiceover stuff but I've recorded some stuff and I don't like it even though the people that have seen it said it's really good and I don't think it's worth putting together cuz I don't think anybody's going to care so that that's that's a huge struggle for me uh, a couple other mental health issues I have is I have anger issues. I don't really know where they came from. Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't hurt really as a kid. I wasn't, I wasn't abused in any way outside of growing up in the eighties and nineties. And you know, you're the oldest and your mom's sing, single parent. Like you're carrying the weight. You're getting her anger. You're getting taking care of your siblings. Like I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was like mentally and emotionally abused i i would say what i went through with borderline i was never physically abused i got my ass whooped every couple of months i caught an ass whooping when i was a dumbass and you know thought i was hot shit but i really don't know where the anger issues come from i went through a divorce I feel there. huh i feel there i have those as well uh my antidepressants uh because i'm not really depressed anymore my my life is kind of good i still have to take my antidepressants uh but i kind of i joke with my friends about them and my wife i call them my anti-asshole pills that's a that's that's a fair call uh zim in chat mentioned he said from his experience the stigma and misunderstanding comes from the older generations that always had to deal with it and mental issues were less understood he also said that the newer generations are, are more accepting of people's struggle and more encouraged in seeking help. I would agree because when I grew up, I'm I'm 41, gonna be 42 in July. I always heard the "Well, suck it up," you know, push through. You're just sad. You're just tired. And yep. now with my kids, if they say, "Dad, I'm not doing well. I need a I need a break," I always ask them, "Okay, you take your break, but is this a break because you're having issues or because you just don't want to do the work?" I always try to find that distinction of are you using a mental health break to not do your responsibilities or are you really struggling with it and you actually need the break? And for the most for the most part, my kids are honest and say, okay, yeah, I really don't want to do any work today. So I figured, or they'll be like, yeah, I'm really struggling. And if, if they come to me and say, yeah, I'm really struggling, I'll be like, all right, cool. Go take your time, do what you got to do. But that doesn't mean you get to do whatever the hell you want. On a mental right. health break, you need to be focused on resting figuring out why you're dealing with what you are so that you can address it handle it and then come back tomorrow and take care of the shit you didn't do today so um uh two things i want to touch on before i forget to because we're going to be all over the place here let's be honest (laughs) yeah it's like squirrels Uh, right now uh one the stigma of getting mental health uh I I need these pills. I have reached that level of understanding. But I myself and a lot of other people I've talked to have had the problem where when we are first getting help, it is a struggle to uh, see the therapist or take the pills or see the doctor regularly because of that stigma that something is wrong with us. Maybe we just need to fix ourselves. Uh, But no, uh, the doctor showed me – like um brain scans because i had uh ecg mm-hmm. no that's a heart scan um 
MRI? Yeah, MRI yeah, and it wraps right. the whole area. Uh, and he showed me uh, areas uh, of my brain that were operating differently than, uh, you know, J- Jane or Joe, Joe uh, Schmo on the street. Uh, and he said, this medicine here will help turn these parts off that are not working properly and turn these other parts on so that you can live a normal life. Uh, and even so, even seeing that information, it took me about four years of taking my pills every single day, forcing them down my throat to realize, you know, these are actually a good thing. Why am I fighting myself over them? So that stigma, uh, if you're going through it, just keep pushing and keep telling yourself that they're helping because they are. Well, if, if they're not, go see your doctor and get a different one. Yeah, right. If, if the meds you're on or the treatment plan that you're on isn't working and you're honest that it's not working or it, that's another thing too. Like you, you brought up a great point is the, the, the mentality of why do I need meds? Why can't I just get better? You know, what, what does the doctor know? The doctor don't know me. Right. And I think we need to get to that point where we need to understand and trust that if we have a great connection and rapport with our mental health professional or our, or our doctor, that they are setting us up for success. And we need to, again, quash that, that mentality of, oh, well, it's, they, they don't know me like I know me. And to that end, I don't have meds. I'm not on meds mainly because I don't have um, insurance. And most of my, when I have seen professionals and I've been on and off in therapy for a while, most of them say the things that I'm affected by can be treated by um, cognitive retraining therapies so that sure. I can retrain my thought process. So I'm, I'm, I consider myself lucky in that way where I'm, I'm not dependent on meds because one, I'm not on insurance. So I couldn't afford the meds anyway. And two, with my heart condition, there's not a lot of, I got to be very careful with medications and how they affect my blood work and, and all that other stuff. And, and the, the way my the way my body functions, because my heart is basically held together with duct tape and bailing wire at this point. So anything that could give me arrhythmia or anything like that could be a net negative. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, and that segues into my other point really well. Uh, that sometimes the mental health problems that a person is having uh, may not be fixable by meds. Uh, some of the major problems I was having were entirely related to sleep apnea. Uh, and once my sleep apnea got treated, and I was actually resting at night, my body was able to recover. I didn't feel like shit all day, every day. Things improved. So uh, I'm not saying meds are the end-all, be-all. Sometimes it's uh, exercise and that dopamine, that serotonin. Uh, Sometimes it's diet change. Uh, Maybe the foods that you're eating just aren't providing your body with the nutrients you need. Your body feels like shit, and therefore you feel like shit. Uh, So – like I said, not saying meds are the solution for everybody. Sometimes it's sleep apnea. Sometimes it's self-care. Sometimes it's just you need to connect with people a little more. Yeah, that's that's a big thing, too, is like um, some of my kids have meds for some of their issues. And I tell them all the time, 
the meds aren't the fix they assist you because i don't want my i don't want my kids thinking oh if i take meds i'll be fine because meds are only a portion of the the treatment plan a lot of the treatment plan involves therapy talk therapy exercise like you said diet nutrition all of those things and i i try to couch discussions with them that yes you have meds they don't control your life they're not the end all be all and they're there to help you but they're not going to fix it for you you still have to do the work for yourself you still have to put the time in to understand yourself you have to understand how these things affect you so that you can then move forward and understand going into whatever situation that I know this this affects me this way. How can I adapt and how can I uh, adjust my mental state or my emotional state or my behavioral state so that I can best proceed through uh, whatever the situation calls for. And I think a lot of yeah, that, that. I think a lot of that is really difficult to understand not only as a kid even as an adult because nowadays we don't really we don't really stop and think or have the time to stop and think about ourselves because there's there's a bill that's got to get paid or an errand that's got to be run or a school project that's got to be done or a podcast that's got to be done or or uh or the dog's got to go out. So a lot of times we don't have the time to really have that moment of introspection to really kind of figure out how we work. And that's a huge part of self-care. And I had a conversation with my youngest daughter. She's like, dad, when do you stop? And this, this ties back into Chris and I started a Valley conversation uh, last week. I don't ever stop. Like I don't, I, I even when I'm laying down, I don't stop. There's there's an article I need to read for something my kids into. My my girlfriend is having an issue. I need to figure out about it. I don't, or I gotta get up for work, or I gotta I gotta edit something, or I gotta post something. I don't stop because I'm afraid that like somebody's gonna say something. Well, Doc's took the day off, or Dad's laying on the couch. And in a way that terrifies me that somebody's going to say that. And it spurs me on to continue to just recklessly just crush project after project and work constantly because of that imposter syndrome and, and that self-worth and that anger. Because if I don't get the job done, I get mad. If I get the job done and I get compliments on it, I'm mad because the compliments are wrong. And then I get mad because, well... You shouldn't be complimented because that's. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Thoughts. So, uh, my thoughts on that are, uh, something that had to be drilled into me. It's not something that I uh, inherently understood. It came down to if I am acting this way, what am I telling my kids, non-verbally? with these actions uh if my kid sees that i am angry all the time for example and i have meds that can help with that and i don't take them what sort of example am i setting for them yeah uh on your on your side of things 
if you are working all the time, all of the time, and you don't stop, but yet you don't seem happy, is that not sending a message, at least non-verbally or subliminally to your kids, that no matter how hard work, no matter how hard you work, you're never going to be happy? It is, and that's something that worries me because my my kids do see how hard I work. They're like, Dad's always working, Dad's always doing that, Dad's always cooking dinner, and my my oldest daughter Sammy was with over this weekend, and we ran and did grocery shopping and errands, and when we were driving around, I said. I, this is this is one of my favorite things because I have to slow down. I can just talk to you and listen to you laugh or sing in the 20, 40-minute car ride. I can actually just relax and focus on the drive and focus on being in the moment with my kid. Whereas, like, the minute we get to the store, it's groceries. Boom, 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 boom. What do we need? What dinners are planned? What lunches? Once we're out of the grocery store, then we got to go home and organize it. So I think for me, learning how to not only accept that I am talented, I am good at the things I do, I am worthy of being happy, and I am worthy of taking a day off, I think I really need to do those things because I don't. Like, Bernadette will compliment me all the time, and I'll be like, ah, whatever. And I know it affects my kids, and I've been working on it. I just, I can't seem to, like, fully embrace that, just stop. I, I, I can't seem to fully embrace just stopping. And I want to, and I don't know how. And I'm... So don't. What do you mean? Change what you're doing. Uh... For example, Nick needs to take a walk. Mm. Maybe instead of just going for a walk, as soon as she's done her business, coming back inside, maybe uh, you say to yourself after she's done her business, keep walking because exercise is good for her. Right. That way you're doing something for her, but because you're doing something that really doesn't require any attention from you, your brain can stop. That's an interesting. That's an interesting point. Can you elaborate on or, that? Uh, well, because uh, your mind might wonder, but if you are focused on doing this thing that you need to do for the dog, uh, you can. That part of your mind that says you have to be doing something useful all the time is satisfied. You're doing something that needs to be done for the dog, but because Walking a dog doesn't require any mental output from you. Your mind can just relax. Or or something like uh, board games with the kids. Do you have kids like board games? They do on occasion. Every once in a while, they'll, 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 they'll want to play one. But again, like all the board games we got, they kind of get played out. So we haven't played a board game in a while. Uh, okay. Um maybe get a new board game but uh that's one thing that i did when it came to board games is i realized that uh especially during covid when we are in the same house all day every day right that we don't have as much impetus to spend time together 
Mm-hmm. Because at least part of yourself says, okay, we're together all the time. But when you really sit back and look at it, oh, my wife and I are downstairs in the living room on our computers doing our work. Our daughter's upstairs on her computer doing our school. That's We're in the same location, but we're not together. Yeah. So uh, I started saying to myself, uh, well, if I'm going to be a better parent, uh, I could do that by playing a video game or a board game with my daughter. And that way I'm being a better parent, but I am not uh, – when, when I am being a better parent, I'm not stressing about other things that I need to be doing because I can focus on the fact that I'm doing something for my kid. I'm doing something I need to do as a parent, even though there are like 17 other things that when we're done, I have to hop back and doing, uh, get to doing, just like you. Uh, but during that time – I can I can focus on the fact that I'm doing something I need to be doing as a parent mm-hmm. and let everything else just drift the wayside and enjoy the game with my kids. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point. And I, I can do that. Like when we do have a board game or there's a new movie out that I haven't seen or whatnot, I, I definitely can do that aspect of it. But it, like you said, it, it's the, it's the mundanity of things where you're, it's the, you're in the house all the time. You live in the same house. Um, Wednesdays and Thursdays, I don't stream. And I try to leave those days open for, like, if the kids want to do something. And I tell them all the time, I, I'm not working Wednesday or Thursday. If you want to do something, let me know. Because I, I basically free my schedule up. Um, and a lot of times, they don't they don't take advantage of it because they, they go do their own thing. And a couple times I've said, hey, do you want to do something? And they're like, no, I'm fine. So I don't, I don't know exactly how I want to, like one of the things I want to do is really, because we got to move coming up in a couple of months. I really want to try and maximize those Wednesdays and Thursdays, but part of me is like, well, don't bother them. They're doing their thing. You know what I mean? You don't want to be, oh, dad, dad wanted to do this. Dad wanted to do that. So then again, that plays again into my self-worth issues whether you know i feel like i'm bugging them or not so i think for me one of the things i need to do going forward is i need to i need to really focus on stopping and 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 giving myself that that moment to just be like yes you need to do x y and z but you also need to like just chill the fuck out for a minute or you you like novels huh do you like novels? I love reading. Okay. But I don't so, I don't like reading books because I don't like the clutter. But I have over 90 oh. books on my phone, but I don't want to read on my phone because I don't want to set a bad pre- precedence that dad's always on his phone. So I'm like, oh, I can't win for losing lately. Get a Nook or a Kindle. I, I have it on my phone. I have a Nook and a Kindle. I have Kindle on my phone. But if it's a Nook or a Kindle, then your kids know that it's not there for like video games or for browsing the internet while you're not sitting at your computer. It's because <laughs> you're reading. That's a good. That's a good point. I might I might look into that when we move for sure. Because my big thing with books is I don't like clutter. I despise clutter. Like I. I, I, you could fit everything I own literally in a foot. Yeah, lovely bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You can literally fit everything I own outside of my, you know, my dog in like two foot lockers and a backpack. I got double, books double stacked here. Books in front of books. <laughs> books, in front of books. Uh, because I love the the feel of holding a book. Right. And now I'd also have a Kindle in a Nook because, let's be honest, on a plane ride, that is so much more convenient. On or, a bus ride, way more convenient. Now, I will say this. I love audiobooks. And I, I've, I've been recently jumping into those more. Because it allows me to just enjoy the relaxation of a book, but I'm not on my phone. I have an ear, one earbud in, I can listen to the book or the podcast, and I can still do stuff that I need for my kids and I can focus on my stuff. And the problem with that, the audiobook or the, or the, or the podcast, is I'm, I'm not stopping to enjoy the, the book or the podcast. I'm still doing everything else while listening to the book or the podcast. Exactly. And I, I need the block. That's why, that's why I need like a Kindle or a Nook. Because right. your hand is holding the book. You're reading the book. Your hands can't be doing anything else because that's how you navigate the pages. And uh, if you need a reason to do it, like in order to sell, satisfy that portion of your brain that says you always have to be doing something, uh, add it into uh, like a podcast reviews. Because uh, I think there was uh, thrown around somewhere uh, the idea of just doing a reviews podcast. Uh, review videos Maybe. and stuff like that, yeah. Uh, or it could be part of the drunk take. Uh, just uh, real quick, uh, during the intro, uh, hey, I'm reading this book. Uh, here's what's happening in the characters. People can kind of follow along with the, the the situation uh and maybe it'll get them to read the books as well then you can chat about the books and chat yeah uh, it's not a bad idea so if you need a reason to do something that is also relaxing and lets your mind kind of shut off you can always just tie it into one of the other things that you're already doing nice yeah that makes sense um why don't we put a final thought in on on mental health and, and how it kind of affects us tim you want to make a final thought my final thought is this. If you are not feeling great, get help. End all be all. Whether that help is a doctor and medication, a therapist and talking about it, or just hanging out with your friends, you don't have to live with it. There are tons of uh, resources out there to help you be happy. That is my thought. Yeah, that's a that's a great final thought. Um, on on the topic of mental health, especially, listen to me ramble on, and you ramble on for about thirty minutes. We, my thought, my ending thought is, if you know or you, if if you can identify what will make dealing with your issues better be it meds or, or a doctor or, or exercise or diet, really make the time and the commitment to pursue those things because it's only going to make you better. And, and a lot, I'm really talking to myself at this point. So make the commitment, make, 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 the, make the deal with yourself and your family to say, hey, I really need to do this for me and 
you know, I, I need your help in it. And for the most part, if if your family is halfway functional, they'll respect that and they'll 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 give you the time and the space you need. When it comes to meds and doctors, they'll support you by helping you get to the appointments and and uh, checking in and and making sure you're doing what you need to do. So, take care of your mental health. It's just as important as your physical health because a lot of times we focus far too much on the physical aspect of health and not enough on the mental and spiritual side of health. And we didn't touch on much of the spiritual health because. One, I'm not super religious, but I do think doing something to to kind of get yourself right with the universe, whatever whatever makes you feel kind of grounded and centered is just as important as addressing the, the mental and physical aspects of it. So, Well, not just that. Uh, being part of a religious community is community. It's that... It's mm-hmm. that uh, Hanging out with other people, connecting socially, right. being a social animal that you are. Nice. Good point. Good point. All right. We're going to do something a little different tonight. I'm not working with audio transitions because uh, I want to get the feedback from you, the listeners and the viewers, because um, I wanted to try a couple of audio transitions for a couple of weeks. Then I wanted to try some without, and then I wanted to see what you guys are doing. So we're going to segue into my ramble tonight because we bounce back and forth. And my ramble tonight is like ultra nerdy shit. We're talking about tabletop RPGs, baby. Role-playing games. Because role-playing games and tabletop RPGs are a major portion of my life. They are a major portion of my streaming life. They are a major portion of my life on how I've been able to branch out and have enough courage to do podcasting and streaming. They have formed some of my best friendships in life. They are some of my best memories growing up as a teenager and and even into my adulthood. So tabletop RPGs to me are a very very unique experience that I'm glad that I didn't... I grew up as a jock, and and I talked about this a little bit last week. I grew up as a jock. I played all kinds of sports. I didn't get into theater much. Um, I didn't do arts and crafts. I'm not a builder guy. So when I discovered tabletop RPGs, it kind of brought me a little more fuller into my identity and myself, or my multiple identities, because you never know who's in control lately. <laughs> but um, yeah, tabletop RPGs are are something that, with the new era of exposure they're getting through things like critical role and dimension 20 and uh jocks machina and uh, there's a, a myriad of tabletop rpg programs and things that have contributed to its its boom and popularity especially in the last five to five to ten years i still find that when i talk to people who are only cursory cursorarily familiar with tabletop rpgs i get this question a lot and you might get it as well Tim. and this is part of the reason why i wanted to talk to you on this ramble is do you ever get the question of what's an rpg how do you do it um not as much as i might think but that i run in uh the social circles social circles i run in uh are really nerdy 
I get it quite a lot because I, I talk like a lot of my family and friends uh, aren't big on them. So when I try to talk about what a tabletop RPG is, I explain it a few ways, but this is the one that I usually explain the best. A tabletop RPG is interactive storytelling and throwing dice to resolve conflicts. Okay. And then I get that follow-up question, what do you mean by that? Then I then I explain it as, get a bunch of your friends, sit around the table, or a computer screen, Discord, Roll20, whatever, and tell a story of your persona, your alternate identity, your character, on an adventure, be a mystery, an investigation, a, 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 a grand battle. Tell a story where each of you contribute to the story as if you're reading a choose-your-own-adventure novel. Because the person that's the GM isn't, quote-unquote, in charge of the game. He's just responsible for setting up the world and responding to your choices. And the way you resolve those choices are by chucking dice and comparing whether you succeed or fail. And once I explain it like that, people will go, Oh, like D&D? <laughs> yes, like D&D. And then they're kind of like, ah, that's nerd stuff. Or sometimes they'll be like, oh, that's cool. I've always wanted to try that. What, what's, like you said, you run in nerd circle. So what is, what's your take on like a tabletop RPG and, and people's response to it? So I um, have definitely seen an explosion in TTRPGs. Since the pandemic started, mm -hmm. because they are, especially with Roll Twenty and um, the other one, um, there's another web, uh, website that I Astro Fantasy Grounds. Fantasy Grounds. Um, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, but with the advent and the the growth of these platforms. It is an incredibly simple way to reach out and connect with people and maintain social distancing. So it's definitely exploded. And, uh, of course, uh, the successes of uh, the Adventure Zone and Critical Role haven't hurt. Right. Uh, and, of course, also D&D uh, &D is still, like, 80% of the TTRPG market. That, that's, that's, uh, a, that's a point I wanted to I mean, hit. Uh, before we wrap I mean, this not, round. not I meant, uh, D and D. Right. I said, uh, no, you no, you uh, said D and D. Okay. Uh, but while those two things are Hello Kitty, <laughs> while those two things are true, uh, in the end, if people ask me questions about it, I, I don't really say, I don't, I don't focus too much on the dice okay. portion of it. I say. That it is a way for you to play out a movie or mm. uh, or a, a story of some sort with your other friends. Uh, you're writing a script cooperatively, and you're just having fun while doing it. You don't have to be yourself, and you can just have fun living in a fantasy world. That's um, and, and well, that's not some 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 people's 
uh, dice bag. For, for <laughs> right. A good term. Uh, <laughs> well, that's not some people's uh, choice. Uh, it at least lets them know that it's not just I cast magic missile out of the darkness. You're right. Because it's not. It's not just Cheetos and Mountain Dew. Oh, I mean, no. there's Cheetos and Mountain Dew, but it's not just Cheetos and Mountain Dew. Right. So you you made a couple good points. D and D. And I'm I'm not throwing shade because I've played D&D. I use 5e for the Star Wars game we run. D&D has, has been and sort of always has been the most ubiquitous touchstone or, yeah, ubiquitous. Yeah. Ubiquitous touchstone for tabletop RPGs because one, it's been around sort of the longest and two, it's it's the biggest kid on the block. But that's not the only thing that's out there. Like, look at our multiple groups that we play in right now. We have mm-hmm. our Tuesday group when there's no fuckery at my job. We do Star Wars. We do an RPG game set in the Star Wars universe. On Saturday, I play with your 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 boys. We're doing Iron Kingdoms right now. We've also, and Iron Kingdoms is like a steampunk, low magitech, fantasy industrial revolution sort of inspired world then we have monster of the week which is like your supernaturals your uh, angel your buffy the vampire slayer sort of rpgs we also have um scum and villainy which is a which is a, a sister set of like blades in the dark which has unique systems where it's set in a sort of generic i don't want to say generic that's the wrong an original sci-fi universe with aliens and unique um, things about it. We're also doing City of Mist, which is where legendary powers inhabit ordinary people, and it's their job to kind of discover that for themselves. So just in our, our group, in the mutual circles that we run in, there's what, like eight, six, six, seven systems, different systems, different worlds. But it of the diversity. Yeah, and but I I think that diversity is underserved because things like critical role and dimension twenty and action zone and uh what is it, ready play go ready play go, uh dice camera action, they focus so they, heavily on D and D that a lot of these other systems and universes don't get the the shine and in some ways in my opinion and if you D fanboys come after me for this or you D stands come after me D bores the shit out of me <laughs> i've done now, i've done my fair share of sword and sorcery and just vanilla D I i can't stand it can't stand um, it just to make go, just go to ahead, go ahead. Provide a, a, a sort of counterpoint here. Those of you who are now hating on Docs <laughs> for not liking D and D, you don't have to hate on me. I run a D and D five E campaign. <laughs> it is entirely self built. Right. Uh, I I spent two years building this world. Nice. Before I let a single other soul even see it. 
That's dedication. Uh, so you don't have to hate the drunk tank just because Docs <laughs> is uncultured. Hey, I resemble that remark, damn it. <laughs> but no, I don't, I don't, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm over, I guess at this point I've been playing RPG since I was 16. That's like almost 20 some years or more, 25 years at this point. I just, I can't do yep. vanilla sword and sorcery without some sort of hook. And the reason I mentioned why I don't like vanilla D&D is there's got to be some sort of like really unique mechanics play or the world has to be some way interesting to me and a lot of times like vanilla D D relies on oh well here's and i'm not hating on Dragonlance, but like here's Dragonlance or greyhawk and it's your traditional uh D uh tropes about you know elves and dwarves and goblins and ogres and i just I don't like it, but yet I can do Star Wars without a problem. I can do Iron Kingdoms because that's a new spin on elves and dwarves and, and goblins because it, it, it brings a new angle. It, it brings a new sort of freshness to it. And D&D is great. Don't get me wrong. Like D&D 5's mechanic system is, is really streamlined a lot of things and, and made a lot of things accessible. I just I got to add another level of flavor. And a lot of a lot of people will be like, well, duh, Docs, you need to kind of do your own thing with it. And you do. But if the game itself relies so heavily on me to design things to make it interesting for myself, I don't want to really jump into that world. Because, one, I don't have the time to develop two years to develop a world. Uh, sure. And two... If I wanted to develop my own world and and all that, I'd just write a novel and get rich that way. <laughs> but yep. um, that's why I like Scum and Villainy, because it's got a really unique flavor to it. I love Iron Kingdoms. It's got a unique flavor to it. City of Mist came out of nowhere with its mechanic system and the way it does uh, dice rolling and, and combat. It, it's not numbers. It's narrative-driven with tags. And I think that stuff in my journey in tabletop RPGs really gets my juices flowing more than sort of stock traditional TTRPGs. And I think sure. I think those those games and those universes deserve as much shine as D&D does. And I really hope in the future that some of these shows like Critical Role or Dimension 20 or Action Zone really kind of take a campaign away from D&D and explore um, other systems. And Critical Role has. They do one-shots uh, like Doom and, and Call of Cthulhu. But I want to see a dedicated... I want to see a dedicated show start reaching out beyond D&D. Tim? Uh, so... Uh... Sim just said in chat that uh, TTRPGs are great when you can actually make time for them. Yeah. Uh, and let's be honest here. Scheduling is the true big bad evil guy it of role-playing games. Yeah. Um, scheduling a four-hour block that's uninterrupted is, is beyond difficult, especially as an adult. Uh, but... Uh, 
I love D and D because uh, it is so relatable. People know what it is. At least a cursory image in their mind of what D and D is. They can use it as a gateway into the rest of the TTRPG world. Yes. Uh, and then those one shots uh, and those uh, like a. Uh, when Critical World did Tombstone, it was uh, it was four episodes or five. I can't remember. Oh, when uh, they did the Deadlands run. But uh, that, that's yes, that one. Deadlands is a great system. Uh, but uh, uh, so using TNT as a gateway, and then introducing those other systems that are just awesome, uh, and. Uh, some of them are more crunchy, they're more combat related. And so some people will gravitate towards those. Some people uh, love the narrative stuff and they might gravitate towards like uh, COM, City of Mist, uh, or or Monster of the Week because they're more character narrative. There's not nearly as many dice rolls or, or combat. Uh, so I love D&D for the fact that it is a gateway. Yes, D&D is definitely a gateway, and I, I would totally agree with that, because at some point, the majority of, of tabletop RPG players cut their teeth on D&D, and that's not a bad thing. But what worries me is that with the explosion of like Critical Role and all the ones we mentioned before, is it's harder and harder to get new players interested in non-systems like look at saturday like we had we had like two or three people come into uh ryan's game and they were like oh this is what i was looking for because all i played is dnd and it's like but try you might like it and i, I yep. find that i find that kind of kind of difficult because people are like well it's not dnd i'm not interested and even on twitch getting views on the on Twitch for a, a tabletop RPG that's not D and D, like D and D has its own channel and there's like a billion people in it constantly. You look at the TTRPG channel and there's like hundred people, fifty people. Sure. So, from a streaming perspective, I'm disincentivized in some ways to stream anything but D and D. But then if I do stream D and D, I hit oversaturation. And it's hard to get an audience that way too. So I think that tabletop RPGs, no matter what they are, should get as much shine as D&D does. But in order to do that, they need people like you and me and Zim and Ryan and, and Dread to, to really show them off in their best light. And to use a word I don't like using, like evangelize for those other things so that people can discover that diversity so they can have those uh experiences in multiple worlds and multiple realities uh zim says sometimes it comes down to keeping a commitment being responsible and knowing that multiple people are also in the same uh same almost contract, contract. yeah 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 no that's a great point playing rpgs in general also is a slow process cut my teeth on final fantasy it was a long time before I ventured out to try anything else because the system was different and didn't look the same. Yeah, like we were saying, a lot of times people stick to the familiar. 
But man, I can't tell you like some of my best memories were in a game like uh, Dark Heresy or uh, Shadowrun or Vampire the Masquerade where I play mages. I don't play vampires. I don't fuck with y'all suckheads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no shade to you vampire players, but mages, mages are the best. I can rewrite your DNA to not make you a vampire anymore. Don't fuck with me. Don't don't at me, bro. <laughs> uh, real quick, just for anyone who's watching the stream, I am not stroking my belly. He's There's stroking, a cat here. He's stroking his cat. He's petting his pussy. <laughs> so, uh, final thoughts on tabletop RPGs, Tim. What, what what's your takeaway? What what's uh, your advice? Final thoughts are. If you like telling stories, play an RPG. If you're hesitant about it, do D&D. And then once you're comfortable being a role player or being a GM, find the system that fits your desires. If it's D&D, awesome. But try others as well. Just like with the alcohol and the beer at the beginning, the whole beginning of this podcast. Uh... You won't know something is great until you give them a try. Yeah, facts. That's a great final thought. Uh, I will add to that. Um, if you do manage to branch out and, and try a TTRPG, but your only experience has been a real popular Twitch show like Critical Role or Action Zone, and you come to the table with the assumption that 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 the GM is Matt Mercer or the GM is uh, Sherlock Helms or um, a couple of the other more popular GMs that are running shows approach your table with the understanding that not everybody is a is a professional voice actor. Not everybody okay. is comfortable enough doing accents for every character. So, kind of check your assumptions at the door, because that will okay. allow you to have the most fun and embrace your story, as opposed to comparing your story to the Mighty Nine or the other people at other tables you've seen. And and if you do and that, you, go ahead. And if you're going to compare yourself to those situations, compare them to those groups today. Compare yourself to those groups when they just started out. Yeah. If you look at Critical Role, they just started out. Matt Mercer was hand-drawing maps uh, and then laying them out on the table he didn't have all the expensive props he didn't have all the all the professionally printed and painted mini uh and uh it's um it's disingenuous to try to compare something that you're just stepping into to a professional setting that has been going on for years and is done by people who that is what they do for their job facts facts good end point on that tim so let's segue into your ramble the tim ramble huh what you got for us tim okay i would like to talk about uh something that just happened a couple uh yesterday uh the mars perseverance rover uh it uh is the most recent rover to land on mars uh insight has been running spectacularly for years uh, but this, uh, this new rover, uh, can do things that Insight can't. 
Heck, they brought a friggin' helicopter with Perseverance. Really? Uh, yeah, there is a helicopter. Uh, it's um, It has to be deployed, it has to charge up, and then it can fly up to like 20 meters. Uh, uh, I might be able to fly higher, but 20 meters is their initial set point. Uh, not to mention, they did something really cool with the landing of Perseverance. They had a camera in the canopy of the parachute. They were able to take a picture uh, and stream video as the damn thing was landing on Mars. That's dope. And that's just epic. Uh, now, it wouldn't have been so epic if things didn't go perfectly and it crash landed. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't uh, because we don't have any Imperial to metric problems anymore. Those got nailed down. So, this new rover, uh, it landed on a different portion of Mars. The helicopter can uh, uh, study atmospheric conditions. Well, the rover is uh, looking for... Oh, <laughs> no, I'm not sitting on a pew. Uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't be downstairs because my wife is playing D&D with her group and her microphone will pick up everything I say. Nice. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I don't mind. It's comfortable up here. Well, it's your bed. I would hope it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would hope so. Though I don't spend a lot of time here. Right. I like to come up here when I read, uh, because then I'm not sitting at my computer. I don't have that distraction of the screen right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice that way. Uh, but um, so this rover, mm -hmm. uh, it has. Uh, so many more new um, new instruments. And get this, it's even collecting samples in a way that they can be retrieved later. Now, the plan to retrieve them isn't for 30 years. <laughs> so take it with a grain of salt. Right. But let's be honest, how long did it take us to get to the moon? Yeah, a long time. Yeah. So, uh... But uh, this this rover is set to look for uh, evidence of life on Mars. It landed in uh, Jezero Crater, which is uh, an ancient lake bed, mm -hmm. and it's going to be searching for uh, uh, signs of ancient life, like um, fossils of older creatures, because obviously we haven't seen any fossils of large creatures. Uh, so we're going to start looking for small creatures. Nice. And uh, as life as we know it starts in water. So where else would you look than in a lake bed, right? Yeah, facts. Um, yeah, the, the when I saw that NASA was doing another rover to Mars, I was encouraged, uh, interested, and also sort of like, I don't want to say disappointed in a way, because I think solar exploration and planetary exploration in particular is is something that we need to be really focusing on with the way our planet is headed because humans are humans um i read the specs in the rover and i was like you i was i was blown away i was like oh god like i didn't know the helicopter thing i missed that but like the 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 soil the, the sample retrieval 
and some of the tech they had on it just it blows my mind that we could we could send an unmanned rover probe however fuck far away mars is landed on the surface it depends on orbit. what depends on orbit but go right. on landed not only landed on its surface drive that bitch around with quote unquote real time video that alone just i just, ugh, like like can you when i when i was born back in the we it is back in the end of the 70s dude i didn't have a microwave we didn't have cell phones we didn't have internet we didn't have computers right flash forward 41 years and we're on fucking mars with real-time video it's it's awesome where technology has come that often i like to sit back and think about uh actually i've done it a couple times over the year uh i calculated how much memory in today's value could fit into the same room that a regular computer fit in uh when computers were just first getting built and like a computer's the whole floor of a building yeah yeah uh it's Go ahead. It's, it's uh, numbers. The numbers are just staggering, colossal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and and the fact that we now have a second rover on Mars, looking for signs of life like that, that that in itself should one encourage you that the human race is not the piece of shit that we're so often portrayed as and that we are capable of greater than what we show now for the most part in our world. And I think with perseverance, it should be, it should be at the forefront of the conversation of what humanity can achieve. If we fucking try because we landed an unmanned, machine on mars with real-time video to search for other signs of life and yet we can't provide food for the homeless or housing or we can't even accept people who are different of us as people like the it, it that blew my mind like that we could accomplish great things technologically but culturally we can't handle basic decency at some point. Well, part of that comes down to uh, government. Facts. A lot of it comes down to government. Uh, the people who run a government are not the scientists. They're not the people who can, who are, well, I mean, I guess they can, but they're not the people who are actively expanding their view of the world and uh, reaching out to those who are not like them to get their opinions and and get the, pick the good things out of those opinions uh, and provide positive feedback. Uh, too many politicians are polarized. It's either us or nothing. Uh, you're wrong because you're on the other side. Uh, and I'm not just saying I'm not saying Republicans. Right. I'm not saying Democrats. The other side. I'm not saying Tories or. Um, uh, Green Party, 
right. it's just the other side. But the, uh, because all parties are are um all parties do it. But don't don't you think that something like perseverance should be should be something that we should hold up as an achievement and an ideal of of what what can be accomplished? Like, don't you think something like the the but we're talking about the exploration of another planet, mm-hmm. and yet uh, and yet we talk about fucking the Kardashians more. Oh, this this yep. your the topic the ramble is it, to me is so it is so encouraging and yet so frustrating for me and i don't i don't want to get sidetracked into the frustrating part because i love the idea of perseverance i i love it i love that we're using technology to expand our knowledge base about another body in our solar system to potentially learn that we are or weren't alone at some point in our galaxy um and uh we can we can use perseverance as sort of a lens uh well not just perseverance but a lot of the space projects as a lens to what humanity can be Mm -hmm. if we put aside a lot of the politics stop focusing on differences because if you look at the perseverance team Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, people of Asian descent. There are people of uh, Indian descent. There, are, there are people who are black. There are people who are white, males, females. Uh, it is an incredibly well-rounded team of people from every different walk of life. And honestly, it wouldn't have been impossible, or not as easily achievable, if not for that diversity. Fact. So. Focus on the diversity. Uh, don't just focus on the fact that that we did something again. I mean, because let's be honest, it's not new. Right. We've landed other rovers on Mars before. Right. Uh, yes, this one can do different things, but focus on the diversity. That organic diversity too. That that team was put together from the best candidates. Not they weren't. Oh, you're a chick. You're on the team. Oh, you're from India. You're on the team. It was these individuals are the most qualified, talented individuals that can make this mission a success. And it wasn't just, uh, uh, wasn't just people from the United States. It wasn't no. just Republicans. It wasn't just Democrats. It was, as as far as all things are considered, a worldwide venture. Yes, and it was. that in and of itself is uh, encouraging. Yeah, encouraging is a good word. I agree, one hundred percent. So now, what what do you what do you hope or wonder about? Like, if for like perseverance, what's what's a what's a successful mission for perseverance in your opinion? I know you're not a NASA engineer or anything, but like for you as like a dude who's interested in this and and sees this as a, a net positive for humanity, what what's a successful mission for Perseverance look like? So a successful mission for Perseverance, in my opinion, uh, would include two parts. Okay. One, the atmospheric scans, because 
Uh, if we ever want humans to live on Mars, we need to have a better understanding of what that atmosphere current looks like. If we ever want to terraform Mars, we have to have a better understanding of what that atmosphere looks like because you can't change something from one thing into another thing if you don't understand how it's starting from. Facts. Uh, but also, uh, the, the soil samples and, and the tests that both InSight and Perseverance are going to be running uh, will tell us what we need to know uh, going once back again to that where are we starting from in order to where are we getting uh that that where are we starting from what does the soil composition look like on these vastly separate parts of mars so that we can know before we ever send people there what we need to send them with them in order to make the soil that they are going to be living on viable to grow plants because let's be honest we can't send a team with years of supplies that weighs too much. Yeah, yeah. You can't send that safely. Yeah, that, they have, they have to. I would, I would, I would agree. I, I think, I think your ideal of a successful mission is, is a, is a great way to consider this a success. Like, one, the atmosphere samples have to come back and, and give us a, a. a very de well-defined picture of what that atmosphere is like so that we can plan if the plan is to go to mars as like a the first extra planetary colonization effort or extra planetary venture i think understanding the environment and how it interacts with the planet is key and i i think the soil being uh healthy enough or viable enough for us to produce food or or, or use in a, a meaningful way are our big wins now i think another victory for perseverance uh would be the would be the messaging that we talked about in the beginning that this was a project that the world did it's not just not NASA just did. it wasn't NASA's win. This was our win. Right. This was our win. There's it was it was it wasn't the US put a rover on there. It wasn't NASA that put a rover on there. It's we we as a people did it. We encouraged the scientists to say, Yeah, we want more Mars exploration and they pulled it off. We companies came together and developed the tech so that it could be done. So that it's it's a win for us as a as a as a I loathe species? I, yeah species. I was gonna say race, but I loathe the term race because there's the human race 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 doesn't exist. We're a species. We're all genetically Whoa. the same. Race race is a construct, and I hate it. Cultural identity that's a thing, but I I, I don't like the term race. Yes, can't stand it. The the only race that scientifically exists is the, the human, human race. race. Right, and and I'm glad you mentioned species and, when I was reaching. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, and that is that is part of what the prospect of Mars, uh, or you know, even a prospect of a moon colony, mm -hmm. uh, excites me by is because. We know that we're going to have to send the best and brightest from all over the world when we do this. Facts, one hundred percent. So these people, when they go there, unless they have to come back, 
they're going to be starting a community mm-hmm. that is built on the collective us instead of the individual United States, Canada, Great Britain, India, China. Right. It is built on the unity of the human race. Uh, and that ideal, uh, perseverance, is one more step towards that ideal. And the ideal human race for me is one that can live in a situation like that, knowing that you're sitting next to someone whose parents worship a god that your parents said was fake and you're going to go to hell for it or uh, or any other variation of that. Right, any other stratification. Uh, yeah, because let's be honest, uh, there are over 2,000 major gods that the human race has worshipped in right. its existence. Facts. Uh, so uh, this might this might bite someone might bite me in the ass, might rub you the wrong way. But I like to tell people who are who, who preach to me about religion that they're hardly any less atheist than I am. Uh, I mean there are 2,000 gods that people have believed in through the years. You believe in one of them. I believe in none. One versus zero. I mean, when you're comparing it to 2,000, really, how much more, how much more atheist am I than you? Really? Come on. <laughs> right. Facts. 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, so. Yeah, it's it's a great point because perseverance does hold that that potential if it, if it is successful. And look at SpaceX and all the private space things that have come about in the last 10 years. Like, the yes spacex oh mm. yeah chef's kiss exactly spacex what they're doing and, and like the virgin space program with richard branson who's crazy like a that dude's nuts <laughs> you know like yeah. I, I i know he's he's a, a billionaire but come on man you got billionaires like elon musk and richard branson and all these guys who are like well space is the place right but it's gonna take more than just like them them companies are, are those people it's gonna take it's gonna take the collective intelligence wherewithal uh resources uh the um what's what's the term elbow grease because you you not only need scientists but you need you need mechanics you need you need fuel line guys you need you need uh media people to to sell it and for the record, I'm not like a one world government kind of guy. Like you can have your own piece of the pie, but I think everybody should be working towards the greater goal of the human the human race for the betterment of the human collective. So if you have France and Spain and America and, and China, that's great. That That's where you live, right? You can have those distinctions. But those distinctions should never trump or 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 overtake what is best for humanity in general, and not just like the elite or the ruling class, but like everybody, because perseverance holds that spark of inspiration for the next generation. In my opinion, you know, right? You can't you can't, uh, can't colonize a new world with just scientists. You're gonna need people who can work with their hands, yep. who can farm, who can build things, because uh, you're building a world. But you're gonna need the best of uh, those farmers. 
and you're do the best mechanics. Yes, and you're not going to find that in one country. Exactly, because who's to say that you know Jim Bob down in Kansas is better than Farouk over in Saudi Arabia? Like, and I I said those names because those are just generic names that popped in my head. Don't at me. Yeah, but you know what I mean, and th- and that's what we're saying is is perseverance holds that. It it holds that that hope that we can achieve greater as long as we prioritize and celebrate and push it for what it is, I feel. Kitty kitty. But let me let me let me spin it to you this before we wrap this ramble up and we move on. Does it strike you odd that we are more successful at exploring our galaxy than our own ocean? No. No. Why not? No. Uh, because the the pressures required to uh, the, the situations at the bottom of the ocean where it is truly well, not truly, mostly it's a different unexplored. world. Um, yeah. The pressures required to get there are a completely different set of uh, circumstances than getting to outer space. Uh, so, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to add those on. Uh, so, the fact that we haven't done it much uh, doesn't surprise me as much. Also, because of the fact that anywhere in the world, someone can look up and see the stars and be amazed by them. You can't always do that with the ocean. That's a good point. So it's sort of out of sight, out of mind as well, playing into that. That's that's a great that's a great point because to me I am a little I am a little put off that we have the ability to explore the stars, but yet we can't even under we can't explore our own planet fully. And I do, I do, I do recognize that the environmental challenges of spaceflight and de- deep sea exploration are categorically different. Mm-hmm. But I'm also confounded by the argument of that we are searching the galaxy for intelligent life, but yet we don't have it here. But we, but we failed to recognize that animal life is intelligent life in its own right. Look at whales and dolphins. Look at elephants and uh, apes. Like, you cannot make a good faith argument to me. You might, like, you in general. You cannot make a good faith argument to me that those animals are dumb. When it has been shown that cetaceans and whale, like, cetaceans across the board, whales and dolphins, not only, like, have their own languages, but they have their own dialects, they have their own family connections. They have their own cultural identities and the way they hunt fish and whatnot. You cannot tell me that wolves are not intelligent in their own way because they have their own social hierarchies. They have their own languages. Like when somebody says that there's, they, we have to look beyond our planet for intelligent life. It's just, uh, uh, just, ooh, just yeah, I just, I get so annoyed oh. with it. I would like to point out that uh, oftentimes 
the search for alien life uh, is boiled down to intelligent. Right. When it when it really shouldn't. When really the words that we actually should be using are technologically advanced. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, yes, you have certainly valid points. There is intelligent life here on Earth uh, that we can definitely interact with more. Uh, the the space exploration is is more looking for other technologically advanced races. So it's an important distinction to make, and it's often lost in in the words uh, because it's just easier to say uh, search for like extraterrestrial intelligence or that's SETI, but you know what I mean. Right. No, I get you. And, and and the point I was trying to make is the the planet we live on is covered in water. Mm-hmm. And we so we so carelessly shove that aside for the sexier topic of what's beyond the stars. Dude, what's in the ocean? What's down there? I want to know what's down there. I want to know what's okay. out there too, but I want to know what's down there just as much. Because the more we can understand about our own planet, I feel will better prepare us to understand another planet. Am I am I crazy for thinking that? You're not crazy. But think about it this way. Okay. Can humans live on the bottom of the ocean? Not yet, but they can't live on Mars yet either. Would a human living on Mars die i mean you we could we can put a dome around them and fill that dome with air mm-hmm. you can't do the same on the bottom of the ocean because there's way too much pressure yeah i get what you're saying it's just it, it's one of those things that it's just one of those sore spots for me because like i love both yeah. uh you do have a good point i'm not gonna lie so final thought on perseverance really happy that it landed successfully uh, really happy that it is such a diverse group, and really looking forward to the new discoveries it's going to be making. Facts. I would uh, I would agree with all those points. I uh, for me, I really want perseverance to be held up as, a, as an example of what we can do if we come together as a group and push for the best and the brightest to really have the support that they need to do great things. And I hope that something like this can inspire future generations like, you know, Star Trek has inspired future generations and NASA missions have uh, inspired uh, future generations to do Perseverance. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So we're going to jump into, because we we both are gamers, uh, we're going to jump into some uh, game releases that, that caught our interest that are coming We'll talk about what platform they're on, what we know about them. We'll kind of b- go back and forth. Um, so start. I say um a lot. I really got to get over that. Starting with, starting with Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Now, Tim, do you have any history with Ghosts and Goblins? Do you do you know anything about it? You know, I was hoping you could fill me in on this one because I have zero history with the game franchise. Okay, tell me about it. Ghosts and Goblins is a game franchise that came back out way, 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 way back in the back in the Stone Age of video gaming uh, <laughs> on the on the Nintendo, the NES, the you know the the little box, little box, right? Yep, 
it was it was brutally hard before there was it was Dark Souls before Dark Souls was a sparkling from software's eye. All right. So it Nintendo hard. It, yeah, it was it was Nintendo hardcore. Like you were the epic hero of Arthur the Knight, who was questing to save the princess, and he had to traverse the world of filled with ghosts and goblins and uh, vampires and werewolves, and he was he had to run and jump and throw his lance to destroy the enemies. The reason it was hard is you got hit. Every time you got hit, you lost a piece of clothing. <laughs> like Arthur's, Arthur's armor would fall off as he took damage to where he got down to his underoos. And if he got hit in his underoos, Arthur would die. And then you'd have to start all the way back over at the beginning of the level. No checkpoints, no save spots, nothing. You man mode that shit and you save the princess or you die trying. And, <laughs> and Ghouls and, Ghouls and Go Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection brings Arthur to the new generation. So he's back with the lance and the armor and the villainous. The villains he's got to basically run, jump, and lance his way to victory. The thing about Resurrection is it incorporates a new co-op mechanic. Okay. This could be a game changer. Now, it's not a co-op mechanic that you'd be used to. It's not you and Arthur and Lancelot trying to save the princess. No, 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 no. The 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 co-op player takes control of one of three different sprites, right? And each of these sprites okay. can do different things. Like, one of them can shield you from damage. Uh, one of them can make traversing the level easier by creating bridges or, or covering hazards. And then the other one... I don't remember off the top of my head can do some other sort of special ability that makes it a little bit a little bit more of a different flavor of gameplay. It's coming out on the Switch, which I'm kind of jealous of. I ain't got a Switch, son of a bitch. Um the Switch is such an indie machine. I love Switch. But um it's sort of from what I've seen and what I've read, it's it's going for that hard ass adventure difficulty go get it kind of vibe, but the new twist of the of the co-op sounds really appealing to me and it was just when i saw it i just because i played the original I, i'm old enough to have played the original and I, I both loathe and love that game because i beat that motherfucker but only after breaking a controller and having my mom whoop my ass over it but that that level of difficulty reminds me of Mega Man one yes rock man rock man yeah baby Mega Man. But yeah, I'm really excited for Ghouls, Ghosts and Goblins. I, I I would love to see it come to PC or console to really get a chance to get my hands in there. But it just got me so excited. I was like, dude, don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. And from everything so I've tell me. Go ahead. Are the Underoos back? The Underoos are back. Tiny Whitey's, <laughs> baby! Tiny Whitey's for Arthur! Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. Uh, uh, Ghosts and Goblins is cool. I might actually buy it for my daughter Sammy because her mom got her Switch, and I might be like, "Yo, bring your Switch next weekend." <laughs> oh, there you go. Be like, "Daddy needs to That's borrow your Switch." <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited for Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. It, it looks like it's gonna be a hell of a good time. Um, hey, honey, let's play that new game together. That's exactly. <laughs> Daddy bought you a new game. She'll probably love it because she likes Cuphead and all that shit too, so she'd probably dig it. Alright, let's uh let's go on to the one that you put on there. Near replicant. 
because that yes, was your uh, jam. Near Replicant is the next game in the Near Automata uh, franchise. All right. And uh, so I don't know, uh, those of you, I don't know how many uh, people listening to this or watching this have played Near Automata, but uh, the game is a masterpiece uh, with a twist at the end that will knock you back on your seat. I have played it. Uh, Did you beat it? Yes, only once, though. Okay. Uh, so, now, a lot of games these days have New Game Plus yes. options. But the great thing about Nier Automata's New Game Plus is that if you beat the game again, you get a different ending. Yes, you do. Uh, if you beat it, And there are 13 different endings. I hate that! And I also I, love that. I, that does make me a little salty as well. Uh, so let I'm gonna be honest here. I watched some of those endings. Yeah, me too. On, yeah, me too. Uh, but the gameplay is gorgeous. The uh, I mean, not just the character sprites. Mm. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Tubi is kind of hot. Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. But I think part of that style of the drawing might have uh, drawn some people away from the game, if if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I could definitely, uh, I could definitely see that. They might have just seen the picture uh, and been like, oh, that's going to be a sexy game. I don't want to play a sexy yeah, game. Yeah, sexy anime game. Why the hell would I want to play that? Waste my time. Yeah. Uh, when I mean, yes, the the characters are drawn to be attractive, but not the focus of the story right uh and you know it, it took me a little while to uh to to realize that myself i didn't play the game until it'd been out two years already uh because i looked at it and my initial my initial thought was oh it's a sexy anime game with swords mm-hmm. um, i'll play something else uh and then i had a friend who who owned the game and told me about it and uh, started describing the the things that they were doing in the game, and none of it was sexy anime girl with swords. No. I mean, yeah, you're fighting with a sword, but I mean, that's only part of it. You've got your 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 pod. You've got uh, a two your 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 friend, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, yeah. Well, the the flying the flying mech was also a big drawing point for me because. That just looked awesome. <laughs> yeah, mech, mech shit's cool. So, Replicant, is that a continuation of the story, or what? Uh, let me open up the link again. Uh, because uh, <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. I know, uh, you sort of just but, dropped into it. Uh, so, it's been on my radar, but I haven't looked into it a whole lot. Uh, the um, So... It it carries on the same mechanics as Nier Tabata, uh, but it improves upon them. Uh, some of the uh, the sprites, uh, they're not drawn like uh, the androids. Okay. Uh, it's a a, a a boy trying to rescue his sister. Nice. Uh, so I mean, no flashy upskirt shots. 
uh, and maybe that'll maybe that'll help get some people into the uh, the franchise, uh, and then be able to, you know, realize that Near Automata is just as good of a game, uh, and they can they can take their mind off of the uh, the animations. It, so it almost looks to me as like it it strays away from sort of that post apocalyptic vibe that I got from near like the dystopian industrial sort of vibe that Automata got and it looks like it's a little mm-hmm. more got a little more like wild like nature like the just some of the screenshots it looks like he's traveling more in a in the like a, a like almost like a nature reclaimed world as opposed to sort of like the the dystopian industrial sort of setting of near Automata I could be wrong I just took a I took a cursory glance at some of the images when you posted the, the topic, but yeah, it definitely looks. Yeah, it looks really interesting to me. Uh, it does. Uh, I like the fact that they are improving upon the mechanics of of Dare Tomata because those mechanics were tons of fun. Uh, not just the sword fighting, but mm. in the flying and heck. I even enjoyed being able to glide around on pod. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, being able to safely jump from the top of a building and not die. Uh, but not being it just like superhero. Okay, you jump off and you land. Uh, or not just being you jump off and you die, but you jump off and you have an ability like like Leak's cape. That's a good example. Right. Like Leak's cape. Uh, but Link's cape is gimmicky, right? Because uh, you mean you can't jump off a building and hold a piece of fabric above your head and be safe. I mean, you could try. But in the Automata, you have a droid that has propulsion systems, mm. and it makes logical sense that it could help you safely get down to the ground. It can't carry you upward. It doesn't do that because that would be beyond the range of well, most technology that we know of. Yeah. But something that could help get you to the ground safely, very well with the normal possibility. So. Yeah, it, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm definitely intrigued to see it. But uh, another one that I posted um, that I'm I'm curious to see how it pans out because it is a beloved franchise is uh, the new Pokemon Snap. Yes. Now I am not. I'm not a like Pokemon isn't my jam. Like, I know about it. I, I watched the Pokemon craze develop. And back in the day, I did play Pokemon Snap on the N64. Oop, that's not the link. There it is. Um, I posted the wrong link. My bad. Um, We're both posting links. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see what changes they make. Because um, Pokemon Snap, you basically were a kid who got paid to take pictures of Pokemon on an island. And you had to go around and, and find all the different Pokemon and really hone your photography skills because the better the photo, the more money you got, the more cool stuff you could unlock. But yet there was also secret Pokemon that you had to go search out. And I'm curious to see what Pokemon they have, what kind of photography stuff they do, and what the overall sort of like premise of the game outside of see Pokemon snap Pokemon get paid for Pokemon is. I want to see if there's a if there's an evolution to the formula. Are you familiar with Pokemon Snap at all? Oh yes. Oh no, Lord. Here we when go. that game came out, that game 
It did not seem like a game that should work. Nope, not at all. I mean, you're sitting around a pod, and you're not interacting with things, really. You're taking pictures. Nope. Whoa. But then you play the game, and you're like, oh, was that a Gyarados? <laughs> I can, I can, is that a Gyarados? Oh my god, that's a Gyarados! Click, 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 click! Oh damn, those pictures sucked. I'll have to try again. It shouldn't work, but it does. It does. So, coming back to it, I uh, I am excited. I have a Switch, and bastard. Uh, not gonna lie, that I'm probably gonna get it when it comes out. You, I know. I figured you would, because you, 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 you like. I know you mentioned like. I know you mentioned uh, cursory mentioned Pokemon to me when I saw Pokemon Go coming or Pokemon Snap coming out. I knew it was something that like you might have had a familiarity with, and I I played it back in the day. And you're right that 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 want to get the photo just right is was something I remember as as a kid or an early teen, like trying to be like, dude, did you see the way I shot that from? And I got it just right, and I got twenty credits or twenty coins for it. Like you ain't got a better photo than me. And then my sister be like, oh yeah, watch this, and I'd be like, you bitch. <laughs> so, I'm really looking forward to the evolution of Pokemon Snap. I hope they can do some really unique and interesting things with the formula. And I want—I'm really curious to see what uh, Pokemon they choose to populate that world with, because that, for me, will be one of the make-or-break points. Like, if you—if you don't have interesting sub- subjects to shoot, why shoot them? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's 15,000 pictures of Magikarp. Who wants yeah. other pictures of Magikarp? I mean, some people like Magikarp, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I, they're I wrong. They're wrong. Uh, <laughs> before before we move on to the next release, uh, best Pokemon in your opinion? Oh man, that's hard. If you if you uh, had to pick one off the top of your head without thinking too deeply, who's number one? Who's best Pokemon? Squirtle. Squirtle. Squirtle? Really? Squirtle? Okay. I love Squirtle. I I, I got uh, one. Go ahead. Why, why you love Squirtle real ahead. quick? No, 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 no. Why you love Squirtle so much? Uh, I think it's because when I first watched Pokemon, uh, I was a kid, just like a lot of us, mm-hmm. and Squirtle had a water gun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess and it and it, it was something that I, as a little kid, could connect with. Uh, and. Uh, then Squirtle got sunglasses, and it was the end game. <laughs> Squirtle gang, yep, all for life. Squirtle gang, <laughs> for life. I got you, I got you. Me, my favorite Pokemon, and I was a little older when Pokemon dropped. I was probably like 14, 15, so I was a little, I was a little older. I was a little more angsty, so my favorite Pokemon of all times, Mewtwo. I, you know, Mewtwo was great. I love uh, Mewtwo because of the story of he was created and how he rebelled against basically being a slave and tried to fight for the freedom of Pokemon, but yet he was misguided because he wanted to free Pokemon that didn't necessarily want to be free, you know? Sure. And I thought the story of Mewtwo, as well as the character design, was the dopest shit in that world. And my siblings were younger than me, so like they were all like Squirtle and Pikachu. I was like, no, Mewtwo's where it's at. He's the man. But yeah, that... Mewtwo, is a great choice. Yeah, uh, and it's way up there on my list. 
Uh, I just uh, don't. Maybe maybe Mutant's not higher on my list because there's not a lot of Mewtwo in 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 the world. Right. Uh, there's. I mean, there's way more Squirtles. There's way more Pikachu's and Snorlaxes and whatnot. But there's, I mean, you see Mewtwo like what twice? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's part of the draw for me too. Is he was unique. That is, yeah. So I wasn't as big on Squirtle until the Squirtle Squad came out. Yeah. Uh, uh, and just the mechanic of this group of. Well, not really Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because they weren't. Right. I mean, it was kind of reminiscent, adjacent at least. But yeah. this the group of Squirtles just running a gang and taking people for uh, everything. <laughs> yeah. That just broke me up. That was hilarious. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm I'm like, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see what it is, because Pokemon just has that inherent innocence and childlike quality to it that I think is, is, yeah. is definitely needed more of in a pandemic so another one we're going to talk about is outriders now this one's been on my radar but it's not necessarily up my alley outriders is okay. a, a third person action sort of rpg hybrid kind of game where you get you get these set classes but through rpg like progression mechanics you can build how you want to build and diversify their skill sets and everything. And it's set on an alien world where some shit goes down and these outriders have to fight to basically survive and, and um, figure out what the hell has gone wrong with like the anomaly and stuff. It looks really good. It looks really fun. And there's a massive demo either coming soon or coming out soon. And everything I've seen is the demo is going to be like what they say generous. But I think even for all the buzz that Outriders has, it's got an uphill battle. It's it's a hero-based action RPG shooter set on an alien world with mysteries. Now, what's going to set it apart from everything else? That's what I want to see. That's what intrigues me. That's why I want to take a look into it. Uh, to answer some of that at least, the game looks like a uh, a mix of Remnant Beyond Ashes, yep. or Remnant from the Ashes, and uh, Mass Effect. Yes, yes, that's def- you hit that on the head. And both of those, so Mass Effect more than others because it was three games, well, four, uh, and Remnant was only one, but both of those games just drew me in. Uh, And I... I, So I'm at least going to give Outriders a damn decent try because uh, throwing in the the bio... um, That's what I'm looking for. Biomancy? Biopower. The biotics? Uh, biotics, yes, thank you. Why was I uh, spacing on that word? Anyway, throwing in the biotics from uh, from Mass Effect with the, the advanced technology instead of the remnant portion where it's uh, destroyed world, mm-hmm. uh, 
but you still have the the mutations and the monsters that are very reminiscent of the remnant game uh i think it's only going to be fun uh i hope that the story is engaging enough uh and different enough but i think that even if it's not uh even if the story is not you know a shiny new piece of literature i think the game will still be fun to play just because of the genres that it is sort of built from what are your thoughts yeah i would I would definitely agree like as I, I was looking at the art and it definitely does have that like destroyed world remnant from the ashes kind of fallout on an alien world kind of vibe to it it's very much uh got that sort of biotic inspired mass effect but I saw a little bit of destiny in it with like some of the character designs and some of the armor set. So like I could, I could definitely get into that. Like I don't play a lot of that because of my, uh, my hand deformities. But when I was looking at the promotional art and watching some of the, some of the trailer stuff, it's definitely got the exploration side of it. Um, yeah, I definitely hope they learned their lessons from Andromeda to them. But um, <laughs> it there's something to it that makes me want to explore it, even though it might not be where I'm super competent at the game. But I want to if I can run the demo, I definitely want to play the hell out of the demo. And if I like the demo enough, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing too is you can do solo or co-op, and it's styled around sort of a hub world where you interact with NPCs and then you mm-hmm. set off to do the mission. So. I'm interested. I'm interested. But one, they got they got to pull it off and make it distinct from all the games that sort of pulling inspiration off otherwise it's going to it's going to die on the vine. But I'm sure. I'm definitely intrigued about it for sure. And then uh, uh I think that covers they don't Go ahead. And as long as they don't make the same mistakes like Zim said that Andromeda did uh I think they'll be fine. Yeah, pay attention uh, now, to the modeling for like sure. Andromeda, for those of you who like Andromeda, I liked Andromeda too. After it had been out for a couple of years. Yeah, the modeling on Andromeda was so bad. So bad. But yeah, I think that I, I think that was a good suite of game releases this week. We'll look forward to checking those out. Um so I guess we'll move on to the happy ending as we're kind of dovetailing it here. We've got two stories for the happy ending as we always do. Because I went first in the ramble, Tim, would you like to handle the happy ending for you first? Sure. So uh, my good news story uh, for this podcast is related to the storm stuff that is happening in the United States. For those of you who don't live here, uh, climate change has caused much of Texas and southern United States to experience lower temperatures than they have ever, ever for an extended period of time. Uh, and it's not just having an effect on the people. The people are getting tons of help from the government and from other states. Now. But it was, well, it takes, it takes a couple days to, to organize those things. Yeah. Um, but it was very good to see uh, for me that 
not only are people doing that for other people, they're doing it for, that for the animals. And uh, a great example of that is the the tons of people who are just going out there and grabbing sea turtles out of the water because they're getting too cold and taking them to a place where they can stay warm because these endangered animals would die. They don't know better than to not come up because climate change. Uh, they're long-lived. They have memory. They go back to where they're familiar with. And where they're familiar with currently is not habitable to them. So people are spending all of their days uh, going out and getting sea turtles out of the water, almost comatose uh, from the cold, taking them to places where they can be warm, and saving these endangered species. Uh, and it just – that sort of thing to – uh, not only help the people, but also help the wildlife in extreme situations like these uh, is really inspiring. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'm when I when you posted this, I had heard about it. Um, on, I, I I perused it on Twitter. I I, I kind of knew what was going on, but I didn't I didn't really understand it till you till you put it in the document. But the the one thing that impresses me so much about this story in general is the people in Texas don't have, didn't have water, didn't have power. They were freezing their asses off and they went out and rescued a shit ton of sea turtles amidst the frigid, te frigid temperatures and frigid waters when they themselves didn't have heat and water. Now, the reason this is so, such a big thing is for those of you that are, are well, you should all be familiar, but sea turtles are cold-blooded. And when the water temperatures drop, their blood temperatures drop, which causes a stasis called cold stunning, which basically it, it, it basically leaves them comatose and near death because their circulatory system shut down because of their exposure to the cold. They have no way of internally regulating their body temperature. So even more so than us they're they're subject to the whims of the temperatures of their environment where humans are warm-blooded they can warm up by putting their hands in their armpits or between their legs and they can put a jacket on turtles don't have those luxuries their their circulatory system is warmed by their environment and when thousands of turtles washed up on the beach to see humans that were suffering through frigid temperatures reach out and rescue another life, another form of life on our planet. And a lot of them, these people weren't tweeting that they were doing it. It was these nope. communities that were saying these people need to be recognized because even though where they have no power and no food and no, no heat, they're braving temperatures that are so unnatural to us here in Texas, them, us, meaning the poster, that they they have no they they don't have to do it but they did and sea turtles are endangered we we could lose them like one of the one of the quotes in the article there was a tweet by sea turtle inc said that they personally have dealt with almost 4900 cold stunned turtles mm -hmm. that's insane that humans could do that now. Some of them, some of the, some of the rescued turtles were done by like 
the game wardens in Texas, and but the majority of the effort has been done by volunteer workers. And that is yep. fucking amazing that, that they can do that. Much like Perseverance... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Much like Perseverance, the community came together and did something. Like, uh, they did something to protect life, to help another life. It's encouraging to me that these people who were already in a tough situation, uh, there were so many of them who had the wherewithal to say to themselves, okay, I know that, well, things may not be good for me right now. I can survive this. I've got support systems. People are yep. helping me. Uh, I can pass that. I can pay that forward to to the environment. Uh, those people definitely deserve a huge round of applause. Yeah, they uh, do. Because it's impressive. It is. The fact that they selflessly went out, braved freezing temperatures to rescue a species in danger that, for the most part, a, let's call a spade a spade. A lot of those people wouldn't do that for a human they didn't know, let alone a species that they have that they don't have any connection to. True. And I think I think it's amazing that it just goes to show that for all the gloom and doom that's on the news, for all the for all the negative press that is given, for all the all the narrative spin that well, humans are divided and, and don't like each other. There's a story like this that comes out and goes, yo, sea turtles were dying and people went and did something about it. Mm -hmm. And it was people from all over Texas. It wasn't just the white folks or the black folks or the, or the Hispanics. They all did it. Community agencies coordinated with them. Volunteers were out using cell phones and driving their minivans and putting turtles in the back of their minivan to drive them to a warming shelter. Like it is, yep. it is aspiring and inspiring to see such care for something that we as a human species so often neglect is lesser or so often relegate to lesser status or relegate to uh, someone else will do it. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that people, went out and did it that's that's amazing to me and and we saw a similar event when the um what was it uh deep horizon six oil spill happened and it spewed hundreds yep. and thousands and untold numbers of gallons of oil in the gulf and volunteers again went out and did what they could to save animals and clean off the oil and clean up the habitat and the news was like Oh yeah, some some humans did some great effort. Like the, I want the news to promote this, not the fact that some dude was shot in the in the middle of the street. Give me more of this. Like, uh -huh. ho hold up stories of aspirational nature. Change the if it bleeds, it leads narrative. Yes, it's important to cover the shit that's going on in our world. It's important to cover the bad. But we need to remember that there's more good going on in the world than there is bad. And a story like this, when Texas is amid one of the most dangerous weather crises it's ever faced, that human still went out and saved another life. So, um, 
just real quick, uh, on the uh, topic of uh, deep water, mm-hmm. something that I found really interesting there mm-hmm. is that uh, scientists who know how much that oil well leaked every single day, how many got barrels, mm-hmm. and then they, uh, they, they took that number, and then they calculated how much was cleaned up by different ships and crews and whatnot. Okay. And they calculated just how much was left in the ocean. And it was a lot. Yeah. And then they went to look for it. And they couldn't find much of it. Where'd it go? So they went to find out why. And they found uh, some microbes that were eating the oil. What? Wait, I've, I've never heard yeah. that. Wait, 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 wait. What, what? There's a microbe uh, that. I would, I would have to find, I would have to search it. Okay. But uh, yeah, there was microbes that eat oil. Um, so uh, think about this. If and I'm I'm pretty sure there are some scientists trying to do it, uh, trying to artificially replicate those microbes so that when there is a major oil spill, they can grow these microbes by the millions and then just pour them into the water nearby. Dude, that is think amazing. That. That's how awesome would that be? Dude, my mouth is like you. You can see me. My mouth literally, when you mentioned that, was like, huh? Like that would be fun. That would be a game changer in environmental cleanup efforts, at least in in the in the case of like an oil spill. But holy sh! I I had not heard that. I had not heard that at yeah. all. That's amazing. That's so, super dope. Uh, if if uh, deep water had been uh. Uh, more recent, I might have covered that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's, that's a happy ending. That's fucking cool, though. Like, I'm, that's amazing. But yeah, like, I, I mean, how much, how much cooler can you get than humans in the midst of polar vortex getting out there and rescuing endangered sea turtles because it was the right thing to do? Like, come on, that's just, that's just, that's just awesome, and that makes me smile whenever I look at something like that. So now we'll move on to my happy ending. It's it's not a story of epic struggle, nature versus man rescuing everybody. We're talking about Alex Trebek, his family donating his um his uh, Alex Trebek's family donating a portion of his wardrobe to uh people who need it like uh, charity outfits that help dress people for getting job interviews now for those of you that are unfamiliar with Alex Trebek I don't know if there's many out there Alex Trebek for many years was the host of a TV game show called Jeopardy it was a quiz show and Alex Trebek uh, recently passed away from I believe was prostate cancer I'm not sure but I know I, he, I know he died of some sort of cancer um and to see his family and his estate donate a major portion of that man's insanely expensive wardrobe to outreach programs to help people dress for interviews and get jobs is something you do not see every day from celebrity and from a like a production house. Now the reason why this is important is if you've ever been on a job interview that you need to dress a certain way, which I don't necessarily agree with, but 
you're expected to dress a certain way. And Alex Trebek was always immaculately dressed. Wonderful sport coats, great ties, wonderful suits. I can't pull off that look to save my ass, so job interviews already count against me. But one of those suits alone is like my yearly income. And they just donated a shit ton of them to outreach programs that uh, said, huh? Total of 14 suits, yep. 58 dress shirts, 300 neckties, 25 polo shirts, 14 dress sweaters, 9 sport coats, 9 pairs of dress shoes, 15 belts, 2 parkas, and 3 pairs of dress locks. Yeah, that's a game changer for people looking for jobs. Yes, uh, because uh, too often in our world, people uh, look at your outward appearance uh, and not not to say that that's wrong. I mean, after all, we're visual creatures. That is, it's the, yeah, it's the first thing you see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't when you meet somebody. What else do you have to go off of? So it makes perfect sense. But yes, you're right. Uh, there are a lot of people who put too much weight on that. So organizations, organizations like these that are helping people overcome that initial roadblock that is preventing them from achieving something better with their life are to be applauded. Um, and I'm glad it's not like uh, one of Alex Trebek's family members who tweeted about it said, hey, I'm donating all of these clothes from Alex. It, uh, because that's disingenuous. Right. That's virtue signaling. Uh, but the fact that it's a different group of people who are reporting on this who just learned about it and are like hey pay attention to this that makes it more genuine yeah and then that this this article it, it's a great story because it, it it brings up a key point in the whole job outlook a lot of times you hear people who are out of work being like i'm trying to do everything i can and they're also met with well, why don't you just get a job? Well, there's a hidden cost to getting a job. Mm-hmm. And it's not addressed in the whole job. What's the word I'm looking for? The whole um, joblessness crisis or the unemployment crisis. Getting a job yeah. costs money. And if you don't have yeah. money, your prospects of getting a job are significantly reduced because one, you're expected to dress a certain way. Nice slacks, nice shoes, nice shirt, sport coat, tie if you have it and can afford it, whatever. Then you have to figure out how you're getting to the job. If you're a family man, you have to worry about child care. Um, you have to have a mailing address and a phone, like Zim said. You have to arrange for, like, Many different things, and a lot of times people who are unemployed or homeless, even worse, don't have a phone. They don't have a mailing address. They don't have nice clothes. They don't have access to a shower. And for somebody like Alex Trebek's family to to recognize that one of the ways to combat unemployment is to provide people with attire for interviews uh, was an amazing thing because they could have easily 
they could have easily sold off his wardrobe at like a charity auction, a celebrity auction. They could have sold, you know, they could have sold it to another production. Oh, oh shit! Just dropped my tea. Hang on, uh, it's in a bottle. It's fine. It's fine. Um, um, they could have sold it to another production house because I'm sure there's a an actor or a, a host that would fit Alex Trebek's frame. Like, you know, like they could have easily so, repurposed that shit for another show. Now, on the other hand, think about it this way: if they had sold it to fans. How much money could they have made and then bought maybe not Gucci suits, but regular nice clothes like a Walmart or a TJ Maxx? How many more suits could they have bought? I mean, how how many more suits and other accoutrement could they have bought with the money they could have sold, I mean, made by selling – now, I realize that once you have made money by selling something, the incentive to go spend it on something else drops way down. Right. So maybe avoiding that. But it's something to consider. Yeah, that's a that's a good argument. Like could they have made could they have made a lot of money by auctioning off those suits and then purchasing even more clothing to to furnish those outreach programs that they reached out to possibly but they're still doing something good and that's what matters right well that's not my tact the thought i'm trying to the thought i'm trying to articulate is maybe the immediacy of donating those suits was more more prescient on their mind than saying hey you know Grandpa Alex or Uncle Alex passed away. If we we sold his suits, we can generate even more. Maybe that was it. Or maybe it was if they sold those suits, do unscrupulous family members put their claws in the pie? I'm sure there was some of that consideration as well. Yeah, it, 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 begs, the, it begs the question of... Um, should more celebrities or more celebrity estates do similar things to give back to the people that built them up. It's like what we talked about, what Chris and I talked about last week about the, the, we pay your salary. So we're entitled to your, to know your details. Should, should this be a trend for celebrities? I don't think it should be a mandatory trend, but would I like to see similar things of celebrities who have passed away, maybe donating some of their, personal wardrobes or personal like things to generate positive change to people who need it. I I think it would be a nice way of giving back, but I don't think it should be in any way mandatory. I think it should definitely be a consideration. Uh, It's definitely something that the more socially conscious uh, of celebrities might start doing. They might take this, and I hope they take this as sort of a, a an impetus to do similar things themselves. Yeah, mainly because they did, they didn't do it to seek out the recognition, like you stated. That like Alex's family didn't say, "Hey, we're donating a bunch of Uncle Alex's shit. Come come tell us how great we are." It was the outreach communities right. that raised the raised awareness because they wanted the the story to get out to show that you know Alex Trebek's family 
is a socially conscious, a, a, a caring family that, who knows, maybe maybe they were acting on something that Alex himself said, hey, you know, maybe try and do something good when I pass so that my good works. Because as far as I know, Alex Trebek was involved in a lot of charity efforts and raising awareness. So maybe he said that do something that continues on those those charitable works that I have tried to do in my life. And they thought that this would be one of one of those things because let's face it, having a nice suit is a game changer. Having access to yep. interview quality attire changes the game. And it's nice that a celebrity family did such. And I really hope that's what it was instead of uh, it being something that Alex wrote to his will and uh, is being misrepresented. Yes, I, I would agree with that point. So I think that covers the end of the show. I would like to thank my uh, last-minute step-in co-host, Strange Tim. He's a super mod. He's always in my channel. He's always on voice comms with me. He's part of my RPG crew. He's, he's I'm part of his RPG crew. Tim's a great dude, and for him to step in like with less than three hours' notice and to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe and raise points and do as well as he did on short notice, man, I give you nothing but props and respect for that, bro. I, you're, you're amazing, and I appreciate you being here, so thank you I for that. Like what was that? I'm glad you felt like a you could trust me. Hey, man, you like you know the document. You know my, you know my temperament. You know my cadence. Like, there, there was really... There, <laughs> There really wasn't much that I could. There really wasn't a lot of options I could go to on short notice. Like I'm oh, sure. Well, thanks. That's not what I meant, jackass. <laughs> but hey, I gotta get the last thing in. I gotta. I know you speak. do, but like, had there been like more warning, we we may have been able to 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 reach out to somebody else. But like in a pinch, man, I knew I knew I could call in. I knew I could reach in the bullpen and pull the super mod into the game and he could deliver a lights out performance and you did bro you crushed it 100 percent, man i think so yeah so let's wrap up the podcast i would like to say thank you guys for tuning in paying attention and being part of the conversation um chris will be back next week we'll be back next week with a new episode tim will be manning the band hammer and dropping links in chat like he always does hopefully if he's available and the wife doesn't beat him too harshly so Thank you guys. <laughs> Thank you guys. We appreciate you, and we will see you next week. Uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Tim, say goodbye. Adios. Have a great one, and look forward to seeing all of you in chat. Exactly. Remember, follow me and Chris on Twitter. Get at us with questions or comments. Reach out to us via Twitter for questions on Tim, and I'm sure Tim will be happy to answer those questions. We'll talk to you guys soon. Later.